1923, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the famous author of Sherlock Holmes, embarked on a worldwide speaking tour. But this tour was not to sell books of his famous detective. Instead, it was to win converts to spiritualism. The idea that through seances, table knocking, and advances in photography, the living could commune with the dead. With hundreds of millions grieving in the years following the First World War and the Spanish flu, Sir Arthur felt that the world needed to hear his message, and this included the Latter-day Saints of the Salt Lake Valley. On today's episode, we'll explore the visit of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle to Salt Lake City. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. When Sir Arthur Conan Doyle arrived in Salt Lake City, it was not exactly his first experience with the Latter-day Saints. In 1887, he published the mystery, A Study in Scarlet, the first adventure of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. In A Study in Scarlet, two men are found murdered in London, one by poison and the other by a knife wound. Scotland Yard is baffled when they discover the German word for revenge luridly written in blood near the body. The brilliant Sherlock, using what he calls the science of deduction, uncovers both the murderer and the motive. He learns that the two men, 20 years before, had been Latter-day Saint pioneers in the Salt Lake Valley, and Conan Doyle, through Dr. Watson, breathlessly describes the hellscape of Salt Lake City, where the humble Latter-day Saints tremble under the murderous tyranny of Brigham Young, whose secret network of avenging angels seemed to know everything and be everywhere. So ruthless and competent are the avenging angels that they would put to shame both the CIA and the KGB. Dr. Watson also describes the Latter-day Saint women who, forced to marry against their wills, they pine and weep and bear upon their faces the traces of unextinguishable horror. The first Sherlock Holmes mystery was moderately well-received, but soon Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson would become wildly popular throughout the English-speaking world and Arthur Conan Doyle launched the career of his famous detective, as it were, by playing up the most sensational and wild stereotypes of the Latter-day Saints. Arthur Conan Doyle became drawn to spiritualism while he was a medical student at the University of Edinburgh. He formed acquaintances and friendships with mediums, and over time, he reported that he became a convinced spiritualist. He was not alone. Throughout the 1870s, Britain and America had become fascinated with spiritualism. After the carnage of the American Civil War, spiritualism offered what, to many, seemed concrete knowledge of a real afterlife. Spiritualist publications regularly printed messages purportedly received from soldiers from both sides who had died in the conflict. And after the First World War and the Spanish Flu, tens of millions of people were grieving the loss of someone. And Sir Arthur, believing that he had the answers to the questions of life, set out on a worldwide speaking tour with the mission of winning converts to spiritualism. I have no time to write fiction, he declared. My only concern is advancing the principles of spiritualism. He declared himself ready to answer all criticism and to present proof that would convince the most hardened skeptics. His message, though, was not always well received. The American poet and philosopher Edward Markham declared that 
He too had investigated spiritualism and was convinced that it was one of the best things in the world to be left alone. Those who dabbled in it take on a, a weird look in the eye. They become abnormal and end up in the insane asylums. The San Francisco Chronicle laughed, How the spooks have imposed on the great Sherlock Holmes! When he arrived in Salt Lake City in May of 1923, Sir Arthur must have wondered what kind of reception the Latter-day Saints would give him. Spiritualism, however, was nothing new to the Latter-day Saints, and the church had something of a turbulent history with it. Like others throughout the 1860s and 1870s, some in Utah became caught up in the excitement of spiritualism. For example, after breaking with the church, former apostle Amasa M. Lyman would hold three to four seances a week in his home and claimed to freely communicate with the spirits of earlier saints who had died, including Jedediah M. Grant, Newell K. Whitney, and Joseph and Hiram Smith. And Amasa Lyman was not the only one drawn away from the church by spiritualism. According to Orson Pratt, among those who had left the church, either in Kirtland or in Nauvoo, there was scarcely a case but what they were spiritual mediums. The Salt Lake Tribune similarly noticed that those apostates who were Mormons by conversion, almost without exception, accept spiritualism. Yet when Sir Arthur arrived in Salt Lake City, to his surprise, he found the Latter-day Saints and the church leaders very warm and open to hear his message, even inviting him to speak in the tabernacle on Temple Square. He began by thanking the Latter-day Saints and the church itself for their liberality of thought in letting him use the tabernacle. He then began describing the spirit world as a land of realized ideals, where neighbors are ever one in sympathy, where growth and progress are watchwords, and where justice is done. There, he described, spirits continue in artistic, literacy, or other enjoyable pursuits, including missionary duties, which consisted in descending to a lower plane to instruct others. And not only that, Sir Arthur declared that the spirit world was so real and so close that it was susceptible of convincing proof to any honest investigator. He then displayed to the gathered audience photographs that he argued were convincing proof of spirits. These included photographs of mediums disgorging a ghostly substance called ectoplasm. Also, a crowd of ghostly faces hovering over the cenotaph, Great Britain's tribute to its soldiers who had died in the Great War. Sir Arthur declared that among these faces, over 30 had been positively identified as soldiers who had fallen on the Western Front. Now, modern people who see these photographs tend to be struck by two observations. First, the photographs of mediums disgorging so-called ectoplasm are pretty gross. Second, the photographs of spirits look ridiculous. But they didn't strike people at the time that way. In New York City, when Sir Arthur displayed these photographs at Carnegie Hall, newspapers reported that these photographs of spirits, and especially the photographs of spirits who had died in the Great War, so moved the crowds that many began to openly sob. Now this was during an age where scientific progress seemed to be breaking down barriers once thought insurmountable. 
and there were those who were only too happy to use science to batter down the tenets of the Christian faith. Spiritualism seemed to use the very methods of science to prove the reality of immortality, that death was not the end of identity or being. It offered the promise of a future reunion buttressed by scientific proof. In reporting on Sir Arthur's discourse, the Deseret News reported that he delivered an optimistic lecture with an unusual earnestness. The Salt Lake Tribune described Sir Arthur's self-evident sincerity and earnestness, and the Salt Lake Telegram wrote that he held his audience fascinated, proving beyond question the intense interest in his subject. It seemed as though his audience was loath to leave after being so enthralled by this striking message Sir Arthur delivered. During Conan Doyle's visit, no church leader or Latter-day Saint uh, raised the subject of Sherlock Holmes and a study in Scarlet. No one, that is, except Dr. Hodgson Higgins, a non-Mormon doctor practicing in Salt Lake City. In a message to Conan Doyle during the visit, Dr. Higgins wrote that his first impression of the Latter-day Saints had been tainted by a study in Scarlet. The book gave the impression that murder was a common practice among the Mormons. He urged Sir Arthur to express his regret at having propagated falsehoods about the Mormon church and its people. Conan Doyle replied to this message. While he demurred on a full-throated apology, he wrote that in the future, he would write about the Latter-day Saints as he found them on that visit. After his discourse, Arthur Conan Doyle paid a visit to the Pioneer Museum in Salt Lake City, where he examined photographs of early pioneers. These photographs, he said, aroused a deep interest in him, especially the photos of the pioneer women. women who he once imagined would have faces that only showed the traces of unextinguishable horror. But this visit to the museum changed all that. And before he departed Utah, he told LDS apostle John A. Widso and an assembled group of prominent citizens how much he admired the qualities of the Utah pioneers, the rugged, hard-faced men, the brave and earnest women who look as if they had known much suffering and hardship. He praised the saints he found for their generous reception and their breadth of view, and also paid tribute to their ancestors for their pioneer pluck. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Adventures in Mormon History. For the material in this episode, we owe a special thanks to historian Michael Homer. A link to his excellent article, along with other sources, can be found in the show notes. I'm your host, Nate Olson.